0: Chapter 3, On the Right Lead, Leaving the City As a young child, I adored Detroit, but we had outgrown our modest home. I was unhappy leaving the only home I had known, and I just wasn't leaving a house. I was bidding farewell to places like Greenfield Village, the Verner's Plant, and Sanders, the tiny ice cream shop with the best chocolate soda I had ever tasted. Even worse was the thought of giving up the third beer store that my brother scoped out as our source for penny candies. His supplier was a petite and very elderly lady who did not stand much taller than the dark wood counters. She talked nicely to us kids while she moved around her place bent over from old age. We never hung out for too long because it was a beer store and it was a mile and a half from our house. The busy main road was off-limits, but with candy on our minds, we did not care about the rules. No stakes were too high for affordable candy. When the coast was clear at home, we snuck off on our bikes. Our legs pedaled like turbines so that we had enough shopping time to choose between Mary Janes, squirrels, licorice pipes, pez, neckos, dots, wax teeth, and of course, candy cigarettes. In the suburbs, I would not be in close proximity to friends like the Grogan kids. The pathway between our homes through a sheer property line was well-worn. We walker kids were always at their back door, anticipating that our friends were home. We sang sweet and convincingly, Timmy, Mary, Mikey, can you come out and play? Then we held our breath, waiting to see who ran to the door. I never took the friendships we made in that house for granted, but at the time, I never thought my life would change so profoundly one day. My parents did the right thing to obtain acreage on the old sly apple farm northwest of Detroit. My dad counted 41 apple trees still standing when we arrived. Horses pulled wagons to pick antique apples with names like Greening, California Banana, Baldwin, Wagner, and Snow until the farm closed in 1947. The rural transition into our new home was formidable for me, and I was not happy with the new arrangements. There was no spontaneity or hanging out with my friends because an adult had to chauffeur me everywhere. Missing my early childhood friends was bad enough, but to have social roadblocks was painfully restrictive and would require some clever ingenuity to overcome. Craving freedom, something fierce, I gambled on finding a horse or two down Wing Lake Road, half a mile east of our house. Word had it that there were actual horse farms along the dirt road between and 15-mile roads, so I took off walking my old gym shoes, toting ripe granny apple. What I found was one pasture after the other full of horses. It was like opening a horse book and having every color and breed right there, bays, pintos, palominos, appaloosas, grays, whites, blacks, and chestnuts, all waiting my touch. In my mind, any horse grazing in a pasture was fair game. On school nights, time was short, so I decided to quit slogging around on foot. I picked up the pace by calling him my brother's old discarded bike. He painted it robin egg blue. It had no back fender, but it did have a hideous and useless bar, if you know what I mean. My sister was a willing accomplice, so the transportation dilemma actually doubled in size. We needed a tandem bike with two seats and a big plastic basket basket to carry all our horse treats and not some junky-looking boy's bike. Full of adventurous anticipation, we accepted the big bike that was the pegasus of our horse escapades, Note that I mentioned a single bike for the two of us. Judy, my sister, sat comfortably on the cushioned seat with her arms wrapped around my waist with cool air touching her face and flowing through her hair.